We're running a little bit ahead of schedule. The time is 3.58, and you are tuned to WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor, and streaming online at WERU.org. And this is Maine Currents, independent local news, views, and culture for Tuesday, August 29th, 2017. I'm Amy Brown. Today we're focusing on Bangor, where last night the City Council voted on two proposals that may be coming soon to your town. The first was to recognize the second Monday in October, a day that has been associated with Columbus and all that that history entails, as Indigenous Peoples Day. The City Council also voted on a proposal, quote, urging the United States Congress to enact a revenue-neutral carbon tax and dividend, end quote. Back in 2015, we reported on the Citizen Climate Lobby's efforts on that front, and we'll hear a clip from that program to give us some background today before we hear the discussion about that topic at last night's town council meeting. But first, the Indigenous Peoples Day issue. Penobscot Tribal Council member Molly and Dana Smith first presented the proposal at a meeting of the Bangor Government Operations Committee on August 21st. Okay, so our very last item on the agenda last but not least, <laughs> is a discussion and presentation about um, a proclamation regarding in, um, um, Indigenous Peoples Day in Bangor. So there are, Molly and Smith is here from the Penobscot Nation Tribal Council. And Madam so, Chair, would you yes. have a moment I'd like to give, when it's appropriate, I'd like to make some comments. So. Okay. Yep, but to begin with, um, Molly, and welcome, and hi. <laughs> How are you? Good. I didn't propose this, so that's why I wanted to. Um, so basically, we're very happy to be here tonight. Um, we thank you very much for wanting to work with us on this. Uh, we have the tribal chief in attendance here, members of the tribal council, and members of our community, as well as other supporters that are really excited for this opportunity to work with the city um, to maybe make this really important and positive change. Um, if I can kind of introduce the proclamation a little bit. This has been a trend in, I think, 26 kind of major cities across the country, and there's been um, a few towns in Maine that have made this switch. Um, Belfast and Orono is about to. So basically, the idea is to take Columbus Day and transition it to Indigenous Peoples Day. That's the premise. And I know it's a subject that gets people a little worked up. I know it carries a lot of different feelings about it. So I just wanted to say tonight I'm here to kind of talk this through and give our rationale for why we like to see this change and why it's a very positive thing in the places it's being implemented in. Um, the way that I've seen it happen, it doesn't really take a toll on the cities. If anything, it's a very, you know, unifying gesture to honor indigenous people. If I could go into a little bit about why we would like to see the change, um, I think as we see right now in our country, one of the biggest issues is racial tension. You know, we got marches going on, there's protests, there's, you know, white supremacy groups taking to the streets, basically. So I think it's very, um, we can see that these monuments, these statues, these holidays aren't these arbitrary, you know, locations or days off from work. These are symbols that carry meaning, they carry impact, and a lot of times that impact is negative on the people of color or the oppressed groups, you know, that these things affect. 
So when you take Christopher Columbus, you have a man who symbolizes the very start of the attempted genocide of indigenous people in the Americas. Um, I was in Boston this weekend at the Holocaust Memorial, and they have all the um, serial numbers of the Jewish people that were killed. And I think it's a crazy number, like 10 times more indigenous people were killed right on the soil than in the Jewish Holocaust. So we have this very traumatic and you know messy history you know that we live with and steps like this are important because we're reaching out to surrounding communities and we want to involve you know others in our healing process as we move forward um, and native people aren't just something of the past you know we have you know business owners that are Penobscot tribal members in Bangor you know we have a very strong presence in this area you know our relationship with the community goes back you know to logging to different industries you know this very land was where our people settled and when we take steps like this it it doesn't take away from any other group it just promotes the unity and it's an important step to become less divided which I think is very very good for everybody so I guess the, the biggest thing is when we have this holiday that glorifies the attempted genocide of our people, it's not just a silly thing that we're offended about. It's not just a day off from work. It has really you know, negative impacts, as I stated earlier. So kind of taking this day back and truly honoring, you know, there was no new world. This was our homeland. You know, we're not supposed to be here. We were supposed to be wiped out. So the fact that we sit in this room, you know, I have my daughters here, I have my grandmother here. You know, we are our ancestors' dream come true. You know, and we're sitting here able to reach out and able to speak on behalf of our people and make these nice gestures, you know, with hopefully <laughs> friendly communities and surrounding towns. Thank you so much, Molly, and um, Councillor Baldash, you had some thank, comments. Well, first of all, I want to thank you and your family and all the members of the Penobscot Nation. I think this is an important issue. One of the things I would ask uh, the community to consider, this shouldn't be a proclamation necessarily from me, which I'm happy to sign, but it should be a either an order or an ordinance or a resolve of the entire city council because this needs to represent what the, the entire city believes in and we want this to be an enduring uh, issue not just one that uh, which i'm happy to proclaim but it would be it really needs to be a city council resolve so it represents the entire city um i think that this is ex i think that this is extremely important the Native Americans have been here for at least 11,000 years, um, and but today it's important for us to have not only friendships with the nation, it's important for us to be closer partners because we share a common interest, and that is in the quality and the survivability of the Penobscot River and also in our communities. So I, I really think there have been a lot of missed opportunities in the past. There's been a lot of stains on our history uh, we need to overcome that as going forward and I think that's very possible I think it's very important that we all recognize um, the contributions and the importance of the Penobscot Nation and of Native Americans all together um, we didn't create Columbus Day obviously we can't end Columbus Day here but we can proclaim that there will be an observance of Indigenous, Indigenous Peoples Day or Native Americans Day here in Bangor 
So I would uh, most wholeheartedly support that effort. And I'd also like to see us develop more contacts between the city of Bangor and the Penobscot Nation. Um, I think that is what we'd like to see more than just a, a gesture, seriously. So I just want to express that and make sure, because I think it's a way that we need to go forward and I'd like to see us do more uh, together like we do with other communities. So Thank you. I wanted to make sure that that was known. And I think that the city of Bangor really is a welcoming place for everybody. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Councillor Weston. Thank you, Chair. I agree with everything that Councillor Baldacci just said. My question for you is more towards just curiosity on the origin of what you're bringing before us. I, I think it's interesting. It's probably a, a weak choice of vocabulary, but I think it's interesting that we don't have something like this already. And I, I thought maybe I'd ask you the origin of choosing Columbus Day versus standing on its own. Mm -hmm. What drove, I, I understand the introduction to genocide, but I'm wondering, was there ever a discussion, was there ever a purpose to have this stand alone mm -hmm. outside of Columbus Day being the controversy that perhaps it might be? I'm, I'm wondering if you could just speak to that. Yeah, sure. Um, as long as I can remember growing up in the Penobscot Nation, um, everybody worked Columbus Day and didn't take it off. So it was kind of a, you know, just a non-acknowledgement of the day because of the reasons we've talked about. And I think Indigenous Peoples Day started as this kind of grassroots movement in resistance to celebrating Columbus Day. And then it blossomed into, you know, more cities and towns wanting to take it on and make the change. So it's almost like, you know, taking back the day and turning those, you know, it, it's pretty much a non-holiday besides people getting a day off from work. I don't know many places that have, you know, big Columbus Day parades or whatever. So it's kind of a chance to take a day that doesn't mean much to anybody and make it into a real celebration and a positive thing. And I agree with you because I've never fully understood what Columbus Day mm -hmm. is. But from your introduction, I think it does mean something to you, n not in a positive way. Right. Correct. Sure. So I think there's some symbolism there. Um, and I wholeheartedly second what Councillor Balci has said, and, I, and I'm I'm uh, in full support of what you're doing. Uh, and again, I would have I would have been supportive of it if it was a standalone. But I understand this about the symbolism of Columbus Day, um, and I'm glad you're here. Excellent, thank you. Yeah. Yep, uh, Councillor Faircloth, and then Councillor Trumbull. Um, so I am also generally uh, resistant to these kinds of abstract measures, but I uh, decided to read over the history once again and feel like, in, in essence, it's a factual um, proposition. And after reading the history and reminding myself of the history, I think it's just something that uh, you have to support based on uh, evidence. I am curious from the uh, city manager, if it's not going to be a proclamation, there was uh, Councilor Baldacci talked about various methods. I just want to know what is the best uh, parliamentary. Uh, so I would I would suggest that we make it an order. I think the or a resolve, and we can put it on the agenda as a full vote of the council instead of as Councillor Baldacci said um, up front. I, I'm happy to if it's appropriate now make a motion for an order if, if folks are supportive okay. of that. Uh, that would take the same language but put it into an order uh, instead and uh, proceed on that basis. Is there 
second, if not? I'll second. Okay. And Councillor Tremble? Yeah. Thank you. First of all, I really appreciate the presentation, and the, I think the tenor is this discussion has been excellent. And I think what uh, Councillor Balachi said earlier is that obviously we can't get rid of Columbus Day. So just the heading and the wording of this would. It says instead of Columbus Day, so would we just drop that and proclaim the second Monday in October as Indigenous People Day and Columbus Day is still there? It's just another name for that day and bank. Yeah, Councilor Wright. That was my that was the origin of my question was if you're balancing the 50-50, mm -hmm. is it more important to have instead of Columbus Day be part of the initiative or is it the name of the day itself? Like which which one weighs heavier on your intent in bringing this forward? I think I would say, you know, naming the second Monday in October as Indigenous Peoples Day would be wonderful. I think. I don't know if you need. Are you asking me if you need the language removing? I was wondering Day? which weighed heavier on the goal for bringing it forward. I almost think it goes hand in hand. I think um, if you if you do pass it to the whole council and you vote to call that day Indigenous People Day in Bangor, I think that's sufficient, and I think that goes without saying that it's not being called Columbus Day. And then just in further, I just would note that in 1999, Council of Baldacci, I recognized the Portuguese in Bangor on that on Columbus Day, that day with the Estevan Gomez Memorial. It was a, you know, <laughs> yeah, no, I, and we had know. two busloads come up from Massachusetts right, to Portuguese. recognize them. And I, I would just say that the Columbus Day, because it was raised, the Columbus Day was originated by Italian immigrants uh, mm -hmm. about a century ago mm -hmm. who were, you know, wanting to make this country their own as well. But this isn't about Italians or any, this is about history, and this is about who we are today. So I think it's very important that we take this step forward. I'm happy to do a proclamation. The reason I feel an order is, is better is because it needs to be reflect the entire city and it needs to be permanent in terms of going forward. So. Yes, Councillor Sprague. I agree with the comments on the table and the basic tone and tenor, and thank you again for the presentation. Uh, I'm certainly supportive of this. I, uh, When I was younger growing up, I learned of Christopher Columbus Day uh, more in the terms of the audacity of exploration and of human striving to explore the world. And when you're young, they don't necessarily teach you the complexity mm -hmm. of these types of things. Uh, I think that there's still something to be said, certainly for human striving and exploration, but uh, when you learn more about it as you get older, uh, you understand and come to appreciate uh, the events and the history in a different sort of way. Uh, you and I are Facebook friends, and I think friends in real life, hopefully. Uh, I did notice on your... see how you vote. I did uh, notice on uh, one of your posts, and I don't know who it was, but somebody had discussed... Uh, the idea, and I think this could be a, a good topic for workshops, discussions, maybe at the library. The library could convene, or uh, there could be some group or uh, volunteer organization to help convene discussion about this. And I think somebody had commented about the concept of of contact and first contact and the the first interactions and the interactions over time. And I think we should get into the complexity of that and talk about. The history and yeah. what happened and the the mixing and mm. how events unfolded over the course of several hundred years oh completely and yeah. i think that that gets in and ties to a lot of what's going on in the country right now so uh for a variety of reasons i'm supportive of this and i really think it's an opportunity not just to do something symbolic on paper but to talk to each other and to listen to each other and to hear each other's stories so that we can learn from each other so thank you awesome thank you 
So before I take any other comments, I just want to say a few words. Obviously, I'm very supportive of whatever form this takes. I would prefer a more permanent thing, like an order. So I'm happy that was uh, brought up and has been discussed. Um, but I just appreciate you being here and everyone being here to so we can actually finally have this conversation and move this forward. So, um, Councillor, yeah, I just Trumbull want to follow up Councilor on Councillor Sprague's comment. Earl, I think he may have left, but Liam Reardon was here earlier about the October thing, and he's a University of Maine professor and he's also active in the Maine Humanities Council. And I think he could, might be a contact to facilitate what Councillor Sprague talked about. I think there probably would be funds available to the Maine Humanities Council to do something like that. So. Cool. Councillor Baldacci? I, just, I think some sort of reconciliation com commission or uh, something that you were proposing is a good idea. One of the things, though, just on a more local note that I would love to see a partnership with is developing the history of the river. Mm -hmm. I think not enough people really know the history of the Penobscot River going back thousands of years. I really think it's an important history um, that we need to teach all children in this area especially so I would love to see a partnership with the Penobscot Nation and other communities in this area that are along the river seriously to establish to work and to promote the history of the river either through uh, markers or plaques or public education projects so I, uh, I'm kind of a history nerd so uh, it's something I've had in the back of my mind but I think it's really important in this area that we don't have a real appreciation of the Penobscot River and really the history that goes with it. Yeah, I would say the history and the health going forward. Yeah. yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you. I wanted to make sure I said something I didn't say before um, and meant to. So there are a number of proclamations, there are a number of statements, there are a number of requests that become before, before this council, and I, I feel like we had one earlier today, that are political, symbolic, and perhaps even empty in impact. Um, and the reason I asked you a couple questions that I did, um, and I think you answered them sincerely and, and, with, and with feeling and meaning, is I think it's a very different discussion to say that the intent of this is to recognize the value of somebody, to recognize the value of heritage and recognize the value of a human and a, group, and a community of humans rather than a cause to change a label that perhaps is um, controversial and however you want to define that. You sitting here referencing your daughter, you sitting here and referencing your family, and you sitting here and representing, representing your community and connecting that to something that we can do to say that we agree has more meaning than a number of things that we do mm -hmm. here at council. And so I appreciate that very much. And I just want to say thank you for sticking with us and bringing it forward. Thank you. Okay. Appreciate that. So thank you. Um, it seems like we have some direction going forward. Um, the motion that's on the table is actually converting this language into an order. And I guess we can, I don't know if we want to put it on the next agenda or would it be more appropriate to actually make it closer to the holiday obviously we can't have it on the holiday itself because well we're not here so yeah, the next, one's fine. next one's fine okay so this will be brought to a vote in the full council on august 28th so hopefully we see you all there as well <laughs>
This is Maine Currents on WERU. As you just heard, on August 21st, the Bangor Government Operations Committee was supportive of the proposal presented by Penobscot Tribal Council Member Molly and Dana Smith to declare the second Monday in October each year Indigenous People Day. They voted to bring the issue before the full Bangor City Council at their next meeting, and that meeting was last night. Council Chair Joe Baldacci facilitated the meeting, and the resolve was presented by Councillor Sarah Nichols. The purpose of this resolve is to recognize the second Monday in October as Indigenous Peoples Day in Bangor. As it's at its August 21st meeting, the Government Operations Committee was presented with a resolve from representatives of the Penobscot Nation to officially recognize Indigenous Peoples Day in Bangor. The councillors, staff, and residents of Bangor recognize that the Bangor region comprises a part of the homelands of Indigenous peoples, including the four tribes of the Wabanaki, Penobscot, Passamaquoddy, Mi'kmaq, and Maliseet. Their allies and, and their allies and ancestors. Indigenous Peoples Day will provide an opportunity for our community to recognize and celebrate the Indigenous peoples of our region. And with this, I move passage of Resolve 17-315. Okay, thank you, Council. Is there uh, members of the Council who wish to say anything? Yeah, I would ask if there are members of the public that wish to come forward to speak on this item. Councilor Spray. Well, I feel like somebody should say yeah, something. Nobody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't know I was all going to say something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So someone's got to come up with something. <laughs> we have a gentleman coming forward. I will. I'm Peter Crockett. Yes, I am. Peter Crockett from Argyle, Maine. I moved up here 10 years ago from the Portland area where I've grown up. Uh, I look around at the absolute stark beauty that comprises most of Maine, and I realize that that had been under the stewardship of the indigenous tribes for tens of thousands of years and it remained beautiful. I cry when I look at what's happened in 200 years for my ancestors and, and greed for a dollar bill. I want to stand behind the change to recognize the people uh, and their world, especially now with what's going on in the federal area. Maine's uh, Durigo means I lead. We can either lead us off a wall, off a cliff, like the federal government is doing, or we can do what Maine has done time and time again and lead in the proper direction. Thank you. Hello, Molly and Dana Smith, Penobscot Nation. Good to see you again. Um, I just want to say on behalf of Penobscot Nation, we have our chief in attendance tonight and members of our council and members of our community and our allies that we are so excited for the work and the communication and the unity it has taken to get us to this point. Um, I think it's a very 
symbolic but impactful gesture to make this change and to recognize the indigenous people of the land and I only see uh, positive things coming from it. A lot of the feedback even since last week has been you know just overwhelmingly supportive and positive and I know I spoke a lot last week and you might be sick of hearing me <laughs> but I think uh, when we take a traumatic event in history and transform it into a chance for healing and bridging gaps between the communities I think that's a very powerful thing and myself I am so so happy to have been a part of this and to work with you all so you have all of my thanks and gratitude thank you could you introduce the chief this is chief Kirk Francis the Penobscot Nation so um, I didn't plan on speaking well thank you um, and I love a microphone so we may never get out of here but I uh, I would just echo Mullion's comments and say, you know, this is really, you know, we hear a lot around these types of issues, whether we're talking about mascots or we're talking about these days as to special rights and, and what that all means. And really what we're really saying here is we have such a thick, rich history here together on this riverfront as I watch the beautiful development going on down here and uh, the tribe's thick, rich history and our participation in the lumber era and the creation of this town. And as a resident of this town, I am extremely proud that um, all of you have taken the time to not only acknowledge that history, but to um, get us here tonight and uh, and recognize that these days should be really a day not about Indian special rights, but about uh, a day we can celebrate that uh, dignifies everyone. And so uh, thank you all for that. And uh, Mr. Chairman, I would just again echo on behalf of uh, Penobscot Nation, many of our council members that are here tonight, um, that uh, that is more uplifting than you can know. So thank you. Thank you. Before you leave, uh, Chief, I just want to indicate what I said at the committee meeting, which is I would like to see the city of Bangor and the surrounding communities forge a partnership with the nation on many issues. One of the most important we could talk about is is the history of the river and teaching the teaching people the entire history of the river, how important it's been, because that history is important both to you and to us, obviously, and I don't think enough people appreciate what what the history is so i would like to see us at some point in the future talk about bringing communities together and talking about uh raising awareness and commemorating talking about the history of that river because i think it's important for children and future generations to know about the history Absolutely. and to know where we're going but I, we really are appreciative of, of everybody from the penobscot nation and we welcome you anytime we may may maybe uh, one or more of us might want to visit one of your means if you would allow so absolutely thank, thank you, you mr chairman and thank you all again thank you okay there are the members of the public that wish to come forward i saw i thought i saw another is there anybody else okay councillor sprague do you want to speak Sure. Well, I was really going to speak because I didn't think anybody else was going to speak, and I wanted to make sure that we had some stimulation of conversation here. And I couldn't say much say much better than Mullian Smith and uh, Chief Francis and the other gentlemen and you as well, uh, Council Chair. Uh, so I don't have a lot to add other than that I think this has been a very collaborative process, and I think it's been pretty open-minded, uh, hopefully, uh, as how it seemed on both sides. Uh, as I said at the committee meeting, I think this day and age, we are more and more spending time with people who are 
much like ourselves. Uh, and Facebook and social media, uh, the places we uh, go for social things, whether it's church or whatever, it's just, we're, we're reinforcing our own silos with one another too much. And we're not spending enough time talking with one another and learning from one another and learning about other perspectives and ways of living and uh, perspectives on our life here in this shared community. I think Chief Francis said it quite beautifully there that uh, this is a shared community going back for now hundreds of years uh, and we should learn from one another as much as we can. I also said in the committee, and I'll repeat it again uh, tonight, that I think that there's a tremendous complexity and a challenging history uh, related to this topic that we should not be afraid of diving into and talking with one another about. I had ancestors on the Mayflower, and that's actually something that I've always taken a lot of pride in. And when I learned about Columbus Day growing up, as I mentioned last week, I learned about the audacity of exploration and the human striving for uh, exploring new places. And as you get older, you really you learn and you realize that there's more to that than you're taught necessarily in school. Um, but we should talk about that together and uh, the interaction and the contact between cultures and how that has played out over time. Because if we're going to affirm the shared humanity in all this, I think we need to fully understand and uh, re respect and, and try to regard as best we can each other's perspectives on these events. So. Uh, I really appreciate the way this was brought forth. I think the conversation has been quite positive, and as Council Chair and others have said, uh, let's hope let's let's make it only the beginning of uh, more interactions and more learning from one another. So thank you again, and I'll be happy to vote in favor of this tonight. Councilor Weston, and then Councilor Turnbull. Thank you, Chair. I just wanted to say to all involved that there's an awful lot of proclamations, um, political and special interests, that come before us in terms of asking for resolves, asking for sponsorships, asking for recognition. Um, and the thing that caught me, uh, I would say by surprise, but I appreciate the surprise that I had, uh, was the sincerity, the truth, and respect in which this manner was brought forward. Also, I appreciate the fact that the mannerism in which this was presented was not against something, but for something that's meaningful. And I'll share again what I said the other day is one of the reasons that I enjoy being a part of municipal government is the work that you do can oftentimes have a far more immediate and concrete impact on someone than other forms. Other forms gets lost in process, and often what you start out with doesn't come out the same on the other end. Um, and... To see the sincerity, the truth, and the respect that went into this request, to see the work, to hear the impact, um, and to know that what we're about to do tonight will have lasting and meaningful impact on not only those that are here who have come before you, but they will come after you. Um, I appreciate that very, very much. I wish we had more of that. So thank you. Thank you. Councilor Trumbull. Thank you, Mr. Chair. I would echo the comments of the councilors uh, Weston and Graham, uh, not Graham Weston and uh, Sprague, except for that I didn't have... Uh, ancestors in the Mayflower, Mike, and much later, Ben. But uh, <laughs> I think Bangor has really been a model in this discussion. I mean, as people have said, you look at the national 
debate and the rancor and what happens in other cities across the country. And this discussion has just been excellent. I think the presentation from uh, Molly and Dana Smith at the committee meeting and the comments of Chief Francis tonight have just been, everything's been very positive and I think it's, it's just been a great discussion. I really appreciate everybody's uh, participation in it. So I'm very pleased to be supporting this and uh, thank you. Thank you, Councilor. Councilor Perry. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I sadly was out of state last week when we missed the public hearing on this, but now that it's been proclaimed, I'm curious, are there any plans to celebrate or how is, uh, what's gonna, what are we gonna do to acknowledge this uh, now that it's been proclaimed? I celebrate within my heart. <laughs> We're always up for a good celebration. <laughs> I think on that day, uh, members of the Penobscot Nation are gonna be participating in our interfaith dinner as well. I think there's been, we've been communicating with the nation about, and that's going to be at Bangor High School on October 9th. So we certainly can also acknowledge it at that dinner, um, October 9th at 5 p.m. So, but there's, there, I think this will be an idea that will develop and grow over time, but that's a good question, Councillor Perry. So are there any other questions or comments? Councillor Nichols? There's someone in the audience that wishes to speak. Oh, come right wonderful. forward and just, uh, I'm sorry. Come forward and just identify yourself. Hi, my name is Rena Lollers. This is my son, Ethan. Um, I. It's really funny. Last week when we came, I thought we were going to talk. I thought it was, you know, going to be this time where, where I was thinking, okay, you know, what what's what am I going to say? Like, I went to high school in Bangor. I went to John Baps uh, for four years. I lived on the reservation. Prior to that, I, I did for a really long time. I live in Old Town now, but I, I have to say I'm really, I'm just so surprised. And I just wanted to communicate what that means because this is a sense, a little bit of a relief. And I think Kirk touched on it, is that it's a, just a little bit of relief right now. We have been under a lot of stress for the last year. This is a very stressful environment um, politically. It really is. Um, so this, I think it seems small, but it's really big. Um, there, there wasn't any, um, there wasn't anything to to push back on. We didn't have to identify who we were, really. For once, we got to come in, and people said, "Oh, we see you. We see who you were," and it was just that easy. And I just wanted to communicate how nice that is, and that actually, even sitting there, you can feel yourself relax a little bit, which is why where the emotions come after that, because you're relaxed a little bit. Um, but I just wanted to, to offer that and to say thank you that it's been a really tough time for people of color. And um, this is a very, this is a very big deal. And I thank you so much. When I was in high school, I never thought this would happen. I really didn't. Um, so I'm grateful. I'm really grateful. I'm, I'm glad my son gets to be here to see that. He's not in high school yet. So maybe he gets a different experience than, uh, than I did growing up as a teenager. So I'm, I'm excited and I thank you. So that's it. Any other members of the public wish to come forward? Any other members of the public? Uh, Martin Chartrand, I'm a resident of Bangor, and I'm often here as part of an organized effort, but I'm just here as an individual tonight. I just wanted to thank uh, the members of the Penobscot Nation and, and others that brought this forward uh, as a person of European descent who's a settler on indigenous land here. I uh, 
really am grateful for the opportunity to live in a city that's considering doing uh, a day that honors indigenous people and having the opportunity to learn about it. I also only learned one side of history when I was in school, and I'm grateful I had parents that taught me some of the other side. And uh, I think this, this is a great gift that members of the nation and others have given to us to be able to learn and begin this this process. So, and thank you for the council for thank for you very much, Martin. Appreciate. It. Any other members of the public wish to come forward? Any other members of the council? Okay. Any objections by any members of the council? Hearing none, it's approved. You're listening to Maine Currents on WERU. We checked in with Molly and Dana Smith after that Bangor City Council vote last night to ask about other cities and towns passing similar resolutions. And she also gave us an update on the situation in Skowhegan, where the school board has refused to stop using Indigenous people as their team mascot, despite repeated attempts by Malian and other members of the Penobscot Nation to educate them about the harmful impacts of such symbols. Do you have plans to go to other communities, or do you have thoughts about if there are other towns, people are listening to this and they think, I want this to happen in my town, how do I get it started? Yeah, definitely. I think it's important to really build on the momentum and get it going, you know, in any town. And um, you can find me on Facebook. I'd be willing to help, you know, speak in any town. Um, I think, you know, starting with your local officials and just presenting it. And I'm very happy to help, you know, share the proclamation that we pulled together for, the, for Bangor, for sure. I know Orono and Belfast, right? Have already Belfast has already changed Orono. Orono has their final vote on Monday, September 11th. Oh, okay. So I think they've just about got there. And any yeah. other towns that you know of that are in the works? Not that I know of. Yeah. Okay. I, I think Portland would be a great one <laughs> to tackle. So or that, that may be in the works. Okay. Yeah. As you're making progress here, and this, you know, the city council was even just saying this is like one of the most positive meetings they've had in mm-hmm. a long time. Shifting to a not-so-positive thing that's happening, I know, for the past couple of years, and you've been on Wabanaki Windows with Donna Loring talking about this, I think, and uh, been following your process on Facebook and social media. And actually, this even came up at a book club that I was at recently, and people were amazed to hear about what's happening in Skowhegan. So if you could just say a few words about what you're dealing with in Skowhegan as far as the mascot issue there? Yeah, sure. Um, they they have voted to keep the mascot. I think as everybody knows, uh, the school board. It was close, um, but they did vote a couple years ago to keep it. We've had some ongoing efforts. I was able to collect um, a bunch of signatures for a petition that I presented to the school board with the American Psychological Association uh, proclamation saying how harmful it is for the education of all children. So they have all that information there. I think there's some grassroots movements in their community even to get different people elected to the school board, and they have been a little bit successful. So I, I think a lot of things are resurfacing now with kind of the racism in the news and the different, you know, people are starting to see that things like mascots and things like Columbus Day aren't just arbitrary things. Um, they have an impact on people, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it carries a lot of weight. And the Skowhegan Indian mascot is racist, you know, and it does have an impact on our people. So I, I knew in the beginning, you know, I've seen a lot of these mascot changes firsthand, and it's a, it's something that's going to take a lot of time, and, you know, we're, we're not giving up. 
it sounds like you're still you're hopeful very much nice like tonight make very much yes yeah definitely penobscot nation tribal council member molly and dana smith she said you can follow her on facebook and to do that you'll want to know how to spell her first name which is m-a-u-l-i-a-n molly and m-a-u-l-i-a-n dana smith We'll be returning to last night's Bangor City Council meeting for the vote on the revenue neutral carbon tax and dividend proposal a little bit later. But first, here's a clip from an interview I did on this program back in 2015 that fills in some of the details about the proposal. It's sponsored by a national group called the Citizens Climate Lobby that has chapters here in Maine. In this 2015 interview, I spoke with local CCL members Lori Sproul, John Newlin, Glenn Kaler, and Fern Stearns. So the idea is that there would be a fee imposed on on carbon as what they say upstream as possible in, in its life cycle. So as early as possible, so that means at the well or the mine or the point of entry if it's if it's uh, an energy source that's being imported or actually if it's any product that's being imported that essentially has embedded carbon fossil energy in it the the fee um, is uh, it's called a fee because uh, there's a service that's being uh, given if you will free to the developers or the creators of this product um, for their disposal because part of the disposal process, the life cycle disposal process of any fossil fuel is what happens after it's, after it's burned and the air, our common air, becomes the sort of a disposal site. So um, in effect, it's charging a fee to those producers for their disposal, for the pollution that they create, uh, making it much more to the true cost of those fossil fuels. That revenue, and this is where this revenue neutral phrase comes in, that revenue, instead of going into government coffers and then being spent on other kinds of, you know, government uh, efforts, uh, is sort of immediately returned to the American people in the form of a monthly dividend check. Now, in some cases, it will be an electronic payment, but it's essentially a payment by the government on a monthly basis two-thirds of the American people are projected to either come out even or ahead because uh, the amount of this rebate or refund, if you want to call it that, is going to exceed the extra out-of-pocket expenses they have over the course of that month because things are going to cost more if you add this fee on top of any fossil fuel production or use because almost all of our products have at least a little bit of fossil fuel sort of embedded in them in their production also incentivize both companies and individuals to shift their energy consumption away from fossil sources to other kinds of sources. So it has this sort of indirect stimulus to the clean energy economy. And it also has the opportunity to um, uh, sort of, as I said earlier, sort of have fossil fuels reflect their their true cost to society, which right now they don't. Maine's political leadership has a history of... This is Glenn. You know, with Ed Muskie and the Clean Water Act and Clean Air Act and many others of being responsible to the environment. And this proposal, especially with Susan Collins, with the power that she has, is in a good position to put this into the, into the legislative agenda at the national level to make this happen. 
There are many, I would say almost all members of the CCL groups that we're familiar with are also members of other environmental groups. Um, and uh, there is actually uh, quite a bit of conversation and uh, uh, just sharing of ideas uh, in a collegial way across the, the Maine's environmental community, which is another one of the nice things about Maine that that uh, turf and so forth is a less less of an issue here. Uh, the specificity, the sort of tight focus of CCL around this one proposal, uh, the CCL national folks will hasten to add that um, it's, it's only because we perceive that proposal to be the best hope for quickly and sharply reducing uh, the risks of climate change. If something else was to come along that seemed like a better or a quicker or better way to reduce those risks, then uh, CCL says that we, we would shift our, our policy support to something else. But, but at this point, that's what uh, the organization perceives as the best way to go. Again, Glenn Kaler. One of the difficulties with climate change is such a large, diffuse issue, it's hard to get your arms around it. And what I really like about the citizens' climate lobby is that this policy is a way to take action and to make a difference. And, it's, and to do that, it has to be at a, a national policy level. And so that's what the proposal is doing, the carbon fee and dividend. And that's where we need our political leadership. And so what people can do individually besides changing their light bulbs and you know, getting an efficient car and all that is to write to the political leadership and make their voice heard because they do work for us. And this is something, there's nothing more important that they need to do than to save our planet from self-destruction. Kind of a bottom line that I think about often as everything gets muddy very quickly and lots of options and lots of unknowns and everything is that fundam fundamentally climate change is caused by too much carbon, by a pollutant, and so we need to reduce that carbon. CCL addresses that for me. The closest local group is Bangor. Uh, it's a very active, lots of lots of big um, players there. Uh, and you can find all four groups you can find on the citizensclimatelobby.org national site. There's links to all the local sites. Um, and then including the online site if, if you don't want to don't want to use gas to get to um, particip to participate, then you're very welcome on the, with the online group, and um, that is at the CCL national website. I'd love to have everybody involved and say to just start start conversation and about what we're going to do about this because now is the window of opportunity to to do something. Glenn, anything else you want to add? I would just add that as a scientist, I'm talking with scientists on a regular basis, and even my friends and colleagues in science don't really seem to get it, a lot of people. And the point I want to make is that it's not some issue about what might happen in 2100, which is the language used in a lot of the reports you see on the news. It's here now, and it's getting worse, and it's going to get really ugly if we don't do something. And we need to take both mitigation actions to prevent the problem and plan for adaptation for the things that are already baked into the, the system. There's going to be changes coming, even if we really clean up our act now. But we really need to clean up our act now to prevent what could be a lot worse. Can you say a little bit more, Lori, about how it would work with 
without adding a government agency, I mean, it sounds like a huge thing to cal- to calculate what the fee would be for each carbon producer, to charge them the fee, and then to get the money to the consumers at the other end. Is Would that be taken up by some department that already exists? And um, Yeah, well, the fundamental idea is that the, the money doesn't get taken into up by the government and then used for another service or something. So so bottom line is that all the money goes back to the people. Um, there is the logistics of how it gets returned to the people. And um, I think what CCL pushes is a, is a rebate via the IRS or Social Security or something um, so that there's no new agency required to return those funds. I know the... Um, the White House and Schatz bill um, has a similar. I guess they they kind of leave it up to, well, we'll work it out. But the, the important thing is that none of the money gets rooted into other agencies. Okay, so not growing the government that way. Uh, before we move on, we haven't heard from you, Fern. Do you have anything you want to add to any of this? <laughs> uh, I would like to say that, um, like a lot of other people, I'm not a scientist or an economist. So as soon as I realized something should be done about carbon emissions, I started reading a little more and listening a little more to uh, media reports. And I found that there is a huge number of economists and um, climatologists who believe that the best way to reduce carbon emissions in the globe on this country is to start charging a fee for those emissions. Um, one example of a person, um, I call it standing on the sol- shoulders of giants. There's a lot of giants who believe in charging carbon fees. One of those giants is Paul Krugman, a Nobel Prize winning economist who said that every economist I know would start cheering wildly if Congress voted in a clean, across-the-board carbon tax. So this isn't just one economist that's saying this or putting this on the table. He's saying every economist he knows, and I suspect he knows quite a few. (laughs) So uh, I'm standing on their shoulders and trying to do what they say should be done. That was a January 2015 interview that aired on this program. You heard last from Fern Stearns and before that, Lori Sproul, Glenn Kaler, and John Newland. They are, are or were at the time at least members of local chapters of Citizens Climate Lobby. Now back to last night's Bangor City Council meeting where they were asked to vote on a proposal to urge the United States Congress to enact a revenue neutral carbon tax and dividend and we have to we have our final item tonight madam clerk 17-316 resolve urging the united states congress to enact a revenue neutral carbon tax and dividend council affair cloth i move item 17-316 second <coughs> so moved and seconded are there public comments regarding this item i know we have several sponsors here does anyone wish to come forward to speak on this item? Does not Councillor Faircloth, did you wish to speak? Um, I'll read the yeah. executive summary. Okay. A, and then and let's well, yeah. I'll I'll whip through this and or no, whichever you like. I don't care. Do you want to go first? You go ahead. You go ahead. 
<laughs> I'm sorry. Um, I, was, I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> um, I'm Jerry Gross, and I'm a resident of Bangor and, um, and a member of Citizens Climate Lobby. And uh, I, I want to thank you for considering uh, um, endorsing our proposal for carbon fees and dividend. Um, uh, it's, it's the best news I've had. Um, I went to my first meeting in December, and um, I was very pleased with the upbeat nature of the, the meeting. There's a, a positive um, energy towards um, solving our climate crisis with uh, a market-based uh, policy that puts a, a fee on carbon. We've been polluting our air for hundreds of years for free. It's like jumping garbage in the Penobscot and not having to pay for it. It's time that we paid for it. And, and the good news about it is that 70% of people uh, will get more back in dividends than they pay out in increased carbon costs. The only people that will pay out more are those with larger carbon footprints who, who choose to, you know, to, to, to live that way in most cases. I, I know in Maine it's a little skewed because we have lo long distances for people to drive. But this is a, a very good incentive for us to go away from carbon fuels. Anyway, thank you very much. Councillor Faircloth. Uh, thank you. Uh, the Bangor City Council recognizes the health of the citizens of Bangor is dependent upon the quality of our air, water, and natural resources, and that the health of much of the state of Maine's economy, including agriculture, fishing, forestry, and tourism, are favored by a clean and stable climate. Bangor City Council therefore resolves that the city of Bangor supports the implementation of a carbon fee and dividend system on the understanding that it be revenue neutral with all monies from carbon fees being returned to households as a carbon dividend. Um, this item was discussed at a Business and Economic Development Committee meeting and Government Operations Committee meeting on August 21, 2017. I might just add uh, a brief comment, if I might, that uh, I want to commend the folks who brought this uh, item forward. Um, we've heard, I just was watching uh, with my son last night, my youngest son last night, a uh, movie called Chasing Coral, which I recommend to everyone uh, to watch, where uh, photographers, uh, uh, which is very technically difficult, spend time underwater showing what's happening to coral reefs and what that means to life under the seas and what it means to human beings and it's it's scary how quickly like literally within months within days uh things like the great barrier reef which i think is defined as the biggest living organism on this planet are dying uh before our eyes and the effect that it has on on our economic survival but even if it didn't uh, affect our economic uh, survival i think there is some higher moral calling to address this. And I really commend this measure, one, because I think there is a, a, uh, an instinct and a uh, measure of economic justice to this kind of proposal, that it can help 
average people, which sometimes I think with environmental measures it is it is forgotten or sometimes view it as something abstract or for the, the Volvo and Brie crowd. Uh, and to make it real for average people, uh, what is happening is important. Uh, Bangor's Energy Smart program is in designed that way as well, so moderate and lower income people can benefit directly. And I think we need to continue with that ethic both with this type of measure and with every practical step uh, that we can take. Uh, because as I was talking to my, my youngest son, uh, last night about this, and realistically, um, I used to say to him that I won't uh, live to see the kind of huge and vast disasters that scientists are telling us are going to occur, and that he was <laughs> likely going to live to that age, and we'd hope he could prepare for it. But unfortunately, especially when you watch films like, like Chasing Coral, they are emphasizing to us that no, within my lifetime, there could be disasters, repeated disasters of huge impact. And so whatever we can do, uh, we now, as a, a patriotic and human duty, uh, need to do. So I want to thank people for bringing this forward. Thank you, Councilor Fairclough. Any other members of the public who wish to come forward can take come up here and just identify yourself. Nancy Jacobson, sorry for you seeing me again, but I just wanted to once again, thank you. And I know some of you have had reservations about the impact of this, doing this in Bangor. This is a global problem. What, what are we spending time in Bangor, Maine on this? Uh, but I, I want to tell you that there are thousands, tens of thousands of citizens, climate lobbyists, climate action people around the nation who are working this way. We're joining Portland, Maine. Others will follow us. And the idea is that by having this ground-up democratic movement, that we will convince our legislators that we need this carbon fee and dividend system, which has been, or and other systems that it can dovetail with. But it really does start at at the root level. We're looking for businesses and churches and, and individuals and governments to persuade our legislators because we have been asked by one of our legislators, show me what the people feel. So, so we can come forth with Bangor showing that this is, this is how we feel. So it really does mean something that Bangor, Maine is, is going behind this. We're joining many others. So I just want to thank you once again. Any other members of the public? Any other members of the council wish to comment? Any objections by members of the council? I will doubt it, Chair. It's been doubted. I would ask the city clerk to do the roll call. Councilor Fairclough? Yes. Councilor Graham? Yes. Councilor Nichols? Yes. Councilor Perry? Yes. Councilor Sprague? Yes. Councilor Tremble? Yes. Councilor Weston? No. Councilor Baldacci? Yes. Seven yes, one no. Okay. Is passed. And that was the Bangor City Council last night voting to urge the United States Congress to enact a revenue-neutral carbon tax and dividend. Earlier in the evening, they also approved Indigenous Peoples Day to be celebrated on the second Monday each year. You've been listening to Maine Current's independent local news, views, and culture. Be sure to catch us here on Tuesdays at 4 every week here at WERU. 
Some of the audio in today's program was recorded by the folks at townhallstreams.com, and we'd like to thank them for giving us permission to use it. We've got Democracy Now! coming up next, followed by Jazz Alchemy and a Southern Wind, so keep it tuned here to your community radio station, WERU-FM, 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor, and streaming online at WERU.org. Support for WERU comes from our listeners.